0: Everybody and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast and guys we have a banger for you today. Uh as Tim the Tatman would say in his intros for YouTube, we got a banger for you today. We really do though. So Ian and I today are going to go through every finite detail about Drake May and Caleb Williams and we're going to come down to a definitive decision on which of these quarterbacks It might not be definitive, but I think to this point, I'm pretty definite in my decision on these two guys. I don't know how much more these last few games of the college football season or a a playoff game or the potentially going to all-star games now, because that's a, a thing that the NFL is allowing now underclassmen to go to the shrine bowl and the senior bowl and, in the HBCU Bowl, right? Yeah, it was the third so. one that they allowed? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. So we might get to see these guys in an all-star event, which would be insane. But before we get into Caleb Williams and Drake, May, I have to ask Ian. How are you doing today?
1: Doing good, doing good. I'm really excited for this one. I was shaking my head because I always sit on the fence. That's one of my primary flaws. Yeah, we can't do that. We, we, we can't, can't do, do that. I can't do we have that, to, we have- I, I have to. It's my nature, Dalton. It's so hard. <laughs> it's hard. hardwired in me. So I'll try. I'll try and get through it today. But I, we're going to have a great discussion. You're
0: just the Midwestern in you. It is. Just, it, it, you can't get, can't get Dude, rid of it. I am so
1: non-confrontational. It's it's a problem, I swear. <laughs> like I need to work on that. But today, we're going to talk through it. And maybe Dalton will say something <laughs> to get to me.
0: The there's, edge. there, yeah you know, there's so few people in the world that you can look at and then be like yeah I need to be more <laughs> confrontational than what I am <laughs> all right now let's let's get into it I mean how, how do you want to go about we didn't really talk about like the structure of what nah. this podcast was was going to sound like like how do you want to go through this do you want to just kind of talk about one talk about the other and then talk about which one we like more do we want to talk about which one we prefer right now do we want to go through trait by trait how do you want to do this today Ian,
1: i don't know man i was you know the 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 most recent games are the freshest in our minds right so we can start with those potentially like what caleb williams Mm -hmm. showed against washington i think was one of his better games of the year and you know that's saying something because he always puts on great tape but um we can start with that we can just you know start with our general takeaways i mean it's hard to know where to start with these guys that's the problem because we've been talking about the qb1 discussion for the better part of the year now you know even in the summer you know, it started out with people were pretty sure that Caleb Williams was the consensus, number one. And then, you know, as you watch more of the tape, it's like Drake May is probably closer than we're letting him on. You're know, right. And so then heading into the year, I know my stance was that it's one A, one B. And that's kind of how it stayed for some people so far. It's been up and down. There's the Notre Dame game for Caleb Williams. For Drake May, there were the some of the lapses in decision making early in the year that we covered extensively, and then now Drake May has been on a heater. Caleb, Caleb Williams tore up the Washington secondary, right? So it's tough to know where to stand with these guys. So I, I guess just to start, the most recent impression for you, Dalton, from this past week against Washington, what was it for Caleb Williams?
0: I, I thought he was good, but my my issue with Caleb Williams this entire time has been the the down to down consistency with playing within structure. And it's just it always comes down to his desire, his not even a desire, but a need to be a playmaker, Mm -hmm. a need to hit the downfield pass to create when he doesn't need to create The, the leaving clean pockets and things of that nature that still showed up even in a really good game against Washington now. There's other things that you get from him that you don't necessarily get from Drake May. And I think Drake May is, you know, six four, 230, really good athlete mm-hmm. and can hurt you with his legs as well. But, man, Caleb Williams is a special runner in the way that Patrick Mahomes is a special runner. Yeah. You wouldn't look at either of those guys and say, wow, like, what a freak athlete. Mm-hmm. But both of those guys are endlessly deceptive. And when you look at Caleb Williams, he put on one of the slowest, but at the same time, most devastating spin moves I've ever seen in my it entire life. It was mesmerizing, man. It was mesmerizing. It, it was. It took 37 seconds <laughs> for him to spin around, but he made that dude look foolish yeah. along the sideline. And that's what you get from, from Caleb Williams. It's that innate playmaking ability that other guys just simply do not have. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm consistently frustrated with him. Throughout the course of a game when they they run a, a ton of mirrored concepts where the two outside guys run vertical routes, the two inside guys run you know quick stopping routes. And at the college level, you have a bunch of apexes that are playing ten to twelve yards off. And he just there's the inability to just make the decision on first and ten to just take the five yard pass. Mm-hmm. It's given to you pre-snap. That decision is made for you. And yet you still have to peek at that vertical before you do anything else. And then you peek at it for a little bit too long and you allow that apex defender to drive down on that. And then you have to try to create after that. Mm -hmm. Just take what the defense is giving you. And at the college level, because he is such an innate playmaker, playmaker and because he has the elusiveness that he has, he's able to get away with it. There's times where he can't get away with it, like when he tried to create something out of nothing, tried to roll out to his right, and he ended up fumbling the football, taking a sack. That's going to happen a lot more at the NFL level because he's not going to be able to out-athlete guys the way that he's been able to do at college. So my takeaways from Caleb Williams in the past, that pass game, that Washington game, is that I thought that he played really well. The playmaking ability is still unbelievable. And there are flashes of him working within rhythm and, and taking what is given to him, but he doesn't do it consistently enough and it gets himself he gets himself into trouble that he shouldn't be getting himself into too often.
1: Yeah, I think thinking back to our summer conversations on him, it, man, it's it's uncanny because I remember one of the main takeaways that we brought up in that time window was that Caleb Williams is a special creator literally, like Mm -hmm. I I haven't been grading with my current scale for very long. But two quarterback prospects have scored a 10 in creation capacity for me. And I think, Uh, One was Anthony Richardson last cycle, and then Caleb Williams this cycle, and they're different types of creators. Richardson, it was just because he's a freak athlete, a freak specimen, but then he's also instinctive with how he manages the pocket, things like that. Caleb Williams, it's the change of direction, the the instincts for spatial relationships between him and defenders, the quick reaction ability, you know, and just putting defenders on a string. They don't know how to approach him in open field, especially when he's behind the line of scrimmage and still has that option to throw the ball because you know he's gonna he's gonna do what he's gonna take whatever you do and he's gonna capitalize on that take advantage of that right so putting defenders on a string that's the kind of creation ability that caleb williams has and that was kind of our main takeaway in the summer this guy's a special creator but sometimes he gets himself into those situations where he has to rely on that because he's passing up the open completion in the flat or the the slant route. You know, he's overlooking that or maybe taking a little bit too long to trigger on that. And the hesitation brings pressure, which forces him to roll out the pocket, right? He's so good at that. He is special when it comes to Mm -hmm. creating. And that's why we see so much of that magic. You know, you hate to use the word magic because as evaluators, we love to boil it down to definitive quantitative answers. But at some point, you know, there's so many variables. Seeing a quarterback manage those so effectively in so you know volatile situations right it's special it really is to watch and Caleb Williams has that but at the same time I think you hit the nail on the head how translatable is that on a down-to-down basis at the NFL level and we saw it against Notre Dame right there were plays where he was flushed out by pressure because he took a little bit too long on his first read and Notre Dame their slot defenders they were playing the flats very well they were taking away options and he's rolling out to his left and there's nothing there throw the ball away. He tries to force it. He'll throw a pick, right? So he's going to come into those situations more often at the NFL level. And so that's the concern I have. But I also know he is such a special creator that the meter is going to tip in the other direction too. That is always going to be a very big part of his game and a very successful part of his game, right? So I guess the question I I would ask, has anything changed from that aspect, right? Because we said in the summer, he will pass up open opportunities in the short range and create chaos when he doesn't need to. It feels like he's still doing that. It feels like that's still a yeah, big part of his game.
0: I, I just think that there's, there's, it's happening more yeah. this season than it happened and last season. And I want to ask you real it's quick, because,
1: how much of that is on him, right? Because the USC defense always gives up 50 points a week, right? So he's always in that <laughs> yeah, game I mean, script. It,
0: it, yeah, that, and and I do believe that that is part of the problem is he always feels like he has to have his foot on the gas because Alex Grinch, and it's not his defense anymore, <laughs> yeah. which is I mean, we'll see what happens this year with it. It's not going to help all that much this season, but I think that when you look at this, uh, when you look at him, the one thing that I look at the most is they go empty and they go empty, you know, quite a bit in that offense. And I think that that is where I have my biggest issues because every quarterback understands, needs to understand that when you are an empty, that ball's got to be out in two and a half seconds. It just, it has to be because that, You're protecting with five guys. That's all you got. And, you know, these teams, especially these days against him, are starting to bring more pressure. So when you have a a five-on-four, or you're going up against a defensive line like Washington has that can rush the passer, you need to get that ball out in two and a half seconds. And you just consistently see him trying to do too much. And and it kind of goes back to the the Zach Wilson. It kind of goes back to Carson Wentz. Like, these are guys who... You, you you can't just live to see another down you have to make the play on every single dropback and I think that that's been my biggest issue with him throughout the entire process but I think when it comes down to it and and I wrote about this when the ESPN article came out with the anonymous Scout takes and stuff like that about you know how he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew luck and it, it's just not true but it is a really good show of just how far we can go all in on one trait Mm -hmm. and that one trait for Caleb Williams is his creation ability and it is special but we go so all in on that that we ignore what happens on the 60 to 70 percent of the time where he has to just drop back and get the ball out and that is still very good Mm -hmm. for the most part but those slight inconsistencies are going to get him into much bigger trouble at the next level.
1: And I feel like that's the the caveat to make is that it's not something that's going to take him out of the QB1 discussion, right? You know, he's still very much in the QB1 discussion. Whenever you talk about a quarterback with, you know, generational creation capacity like this, it's not just that creation capacity that you bank on, right? Obviously, if it's there, it's very appealing, but you need to see if the rest of the profile matches up enough to warrant that kind of capital. And I, I still agree, Caleb Williams, it does, right? Like he definitely has to improve that, but we still see, you know, very good, Uh, glimpses of reaction speed processing ability. I think there was one uh, pass in against Washington where he encountered pressure from the right and had to spin around and roll out a tiny bit. And as soon as he gets his eyes around, he sees a leverage opportunity on the far side. I think it was that corner pylon touchdown and he torques his hips so quickly triggers immediately anticipates the receiver breaking out that placement so the field vision is there the processing you know it is there it's just he needs to be a little bit quicker reading those plays and getting the ball out and more disciplined on those rhythm passes and that's the biggest thing that's going to mess with him at the nfl level because nfl defenses are faster they are smarter and they will take advantage if you make those kinds of mistakes so for caleb williams you know it's always been about the creation capacity and how do we balance yeah. that in the evaluation because let's go to drake may now and you know i i draw a parallel with cj stroud because he's that's not a comp by any means but i'm drawing a parallel from a prospect evaluation standpoint because cj stroud was such a and obviously he's balling with houston he just passed for like 470 <laughs> yards and five yeah. touchdowns but for him in a big a big thing for me last cycle was You have the ultra-talented quarterback in Anthony Richardson. You have the special creator in Bryce Young, you know, who didn't have quite the athleticism, right? But, you know, very instinctive and very good feel and very good focus as well. But then you have CJ Stroud, who to me... Was the best balance of physical talent and operational utility, having the necessary physical talent to create, the necessary arm talent to generate velocity and layer velocity and touch on throws, but then also not relying on that to a fault, right? You know, he's able to work. And I'm glad, within.
0: I'm I'm so glad that you said relying yeah. because I was that was the the thing in my head that these guys that are the freak athletes, the guys that are the innate playmakers, so often rely. Mm-hmm on that ability and i think that it, you hit the nail on the head there where cj stroud doesn't rely on his athleticism although he has it and and he was knocked for that yeah. he was knocked for not being as much of a creator When again, we just forget that that's a very small part of playing the quarterback position.
1: And it's such a volatile trait too. You know, a lot of guys use it right. But one reason why Patrick Mahomes is so special at the NFL level is because he doesn't use it when he doesn't need to, right? You know, he stays on rhythm. He only uses it when he needs to. And he's so good at using that control and discipline to just give opportunities to himself and avoid giving opportunities to a defense. It's such a volatile trait once you go off script and once you're creating on your own. And again, Caleb Williams is so good at using it, but I don't think, you know, he's at that level of elite control yet, where we can say, yeah, we're comfortable banking on this above a guy like Drake May. And let's get into Drake May now because, you know, I do think the prospect profile for him is very appealing. I think, you know, you look at the physical talent that's always been there. You mentioned the athleticism earlier, and I want to touch on that because Physical talent is a delineating factor for these top quarterback prospects. Caleb Williams is definitely a rung higher on the creation capacity level than Drake May. You know, there's there's no disputing that. He is a superior creator. Drake May is more of that, you know, kind of like a tight end, right? Where, you know, he's 6'4", 230. He's got really good size-adjusted athleticism. And he can get out in space when he needs to but he's not going to make you miss quite as often, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's more of that straight line speed, and he has enough to create space in the pocket too, like a very good athlete, very good functional athlete. But Williams is just on a tier above when you talk about creation, change direction, agility, things like that. So, you know, that is a separating factor. But Drake may, for me, so far this season, I think when you look at that balance of physical talent and operational utility, right, having the talent to expand your utility within the pocket, but then also enough to create off platform and off script. I think Drake may has the better balance to me personally. And I look at, you know, I was watching some Georgia Tech all 22. Uh, I think they ended up losing that game. But it was an immaculate game for Drake May. And one thing that I keep coming back to with May is that his understanding of leverage, both in the pocket and in coverages downfield. Is phenomenal. I mean, this is a guy who right off the snap he identifies the free rusher. He'll slide to the right. You know, he'll give his tackle a leverage advantage by sliding up, managing the pocket. And as he's doing that, he's also aligning his shoulders to the right hash to keep the safety there. And then you know, throw to the leverage inside, right? So there's just so many glimpses of you know all-encompassing awareness, leverage awareness, and then the awareness and the anticipation, the manipulation ability to capitalize on that. You know, the control that he uses his physical chase and and channels it through. Is so impressive to me and i think you know when you look at that combine that with the rocket arm that he has the the 360 degree angle freedom that he has with his arm being able to you know adjust his launch angles to manipulate placement and you know keep himself clean uh for me personally i think the balance is definitely superior when you look at may his physical talent operational utility and i think the georgia tech game was a really good example of that but lately he's just been on a tear and there's still there's there's still more tests for him He has to play Notre Dame. I think it's either this week or next week, maybe. Uh, And that Notre Dame defense gave Caleb Williams a lot of trouble. So we will see if he can get through that. They have a lot of ball hawks, a lot of athletic defensive backs in that defense, and then some very good pass rushers as well. So that'll be a big test for him. But so far, I think, you know, the physical tools are there. And then also channeling it within the confines of the offense and staying on rhythm. I think that's where May has the definite separation between him and Williams.
0: Every time I have watched Drake may I've come away more impressed and that's a, a very good thing because when I watched him last year I thought this dude he has everything the arm and it's funny because there's a progression in my notes about the arm I said you know it's it's not quite a Josh Allen type arm but he's got a plus arm it's like he creates pretty effortless velocity And then I was like, all right, play number 153 versus Notre Dame. The ball just teleported (laughs) to where it wanted to go. The torque he creates is unbelievable. The release is lightning fast. And then I put plus plus arm. That's all. That's all on the note. Plus plus arm. And then play 39, cross body, bang eight, unreal throw. And then he had a throw against Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech, I, I tweeted it out. It was like watching a seven on seven because he actually got a little bit of protection against Georgia Tech, and you don't really see that very mm-hmm. often in the North Carolina offense. He got protection, and it, it looked like he was playing against air. The, the throws that he was making downfield, I mean, everything was just on place. And he had a throw where he was kind of fading away. And it was a seam throw. It was like a 25-yard, 30-yard seam throw that he was fading away from, and it had absolutely zero air underneath of it. Like, this dude's arm is legitimately unreal but it's the other stuff that he's improved upon this year that really gets me excited. It's, you know, the the fading into his left tackle on throws to the left side that he did so often last year that he's not doing anymore. It's the ability and the willingness to get rid of the ball and find your check down, yeah. know where your check down is, and to hit it in stride so you can get him a little bit of yak. But I think the biggest thing for me... That has kept him because honestly, if it wasn't for still possessing the bozo gene, he might be the best quarterback prospect that I've ever watched. I mean, he has literally everything you could want on top of being in a situation in North Carolina that isn't a great environment overall. So he's somebody who is facing pressure a lot. He's somebody who is getting rid of the ball quickly at an NFL pace. He's somebody that you can see the processing processing ability is there. He can throw to both sides. His sequencing to both sides is really good. He's pretty consistently accurate, and I think that there's times, you know, when I was watching him against Miami, when I was watching him against Virginia, where some timing throws were a little bit mm-hmm. off. That can be partially him. That could be partially his receiver, but the the – Uh, mechanics are are there for him to be a a very accurate passer at the next level. Like, it's all there. And if it wasn't for a couple plays, you know, once a week, once every couple of weeks, maybe twice in one week, where he just loses his effing mind (laughs) and throws an awful ball straight to the defense. Aside from those plays, I think that Drake May is the best quarterback prospect that I've watched since Trevor Lawrence. And and I think that he could be right there with him. I think that Trevor was a little bit more progressed just because, you know, a lot of playing time, a lot of really high end playing time at Clemson. And you could see it with him. And the pocket maneuverability with Trevor Lawrence is still sublime, mm. the way that he handles pressure. And Drake May is not quite there yet, but Drake May has all of the physical tools on top of being like 25 to 30 pounds heavier than than Trevor Lawrence. Like He has everything that you want in a quarterback prospect. And I think the creation ability from Caleb Williams is unbelievable. But when you were looking at the entire package, I find it hard to bet against. and, and, And this is the other way that we have to look at this. The draft is not just throwing darts at who you think is going to be the best. And we have to understand that it's also about risk mitigation and who can you look at right now and say, I think that dude has a better chance not to fail. And I think that that guy is Drake May. I think that there is more volatility in the potential of Caleb Williams at the next level than there is with Drake May. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I'll be honest, I did not expect to hear such an emphatic endorsement. So I am I am very happy right now. I'm very happy yeah, right
0: and, now. and I want to be clear, like the, the Virginia game, the Miami game, they were really good. Yeah. They weren't outrageous. It mm-hmm. was an unbelievable quarterback tape. I think that Georgia Tech was some of the best quarterback tape I've seen. But again, he was in an environment that allowed him to show some of the things that Caleb Williams gets to show mm-hmm. or got to show on a weekly basis for so long. Yeah where he had three and a half, four seconds in the pocket. But when you watch Drake may do it in this North Carolina offense, it's a lot more anticipation. It's a lot more traditional NFL concepts, and he's doing it at a very high level. Like you said, his knowledge and diagnosis of leverage is unreal Mm -hmm. because some of these throws that he is making, he is making before guys are even close to open. And he is ripping darts in there at 20 to 25 yards over the middle of the field in between three, four defenders. Like it is nothing. So those are the types of throws. And we can sometimes get a little bit carried away with guys who are so good in the intermediate and kind of forget about the short area stuff. But he's just as good within five yards of the line of scrimmage as he is in those areas of the field. And I think that more than anything, that ability in the quick game and the intermediate is like a supercharged version of what we saw from Justin Fields as a passer at the college level where the quick game was never really there with Justin, but he was an absolute assassin in the intermediate areas of the the field. And you're seeing this with Drake may, except he's got an even better arm and he's much better in the quick game. So as a passer, he should already be there when he gets to the next level, on top of having to deal with pressure all of the time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where, and to be clear, pressure, I think, is one of the areas where he can still improve the most, I think. And he's I think he's very good there. He's definitely improved at yeah. managing the pocket. There are a few reps that I've seen so far this year where he will drop his eyes a little bit too soon, or maybe he's a little bit late to go from progression one and there's to progression times two. Where
0: you- yeah, and there's times where you just have to say, okay, this is a dead play yeah, and take a sack. Exactly. And I think a lot of young guys especially really struggle with the, the, the need to take a sack sometimes because you see some guys who take way too many sacks. And I think the guys really, really want to avoid those drive-killing plays, but mm-hmm. fumbling the ball while you're trying to scramble is a, a real drive yeah. killer, whereas a sack is just, you know, you're probably going to be in third and 14. Yeah.
1: So even then, like, if you can't get the ball away, like usually you want to get in a position where you can, but even then, like, you got to have that discretion of what's the best play that I can make out, out of a bad situation, right? And that's something that Caleb Williams can improve out too. I mean, they're young quarterbacks, right? So it's kind of an expectation for them. It's not really something you knock on them too heavily as long as it's not a debilitating issue, uh, but it's it's definitely something to expect. Going back to the risk propensity, because I think that was a really great point that you made, uh, especially when you're, investing top three capital on these guys right like it's not just about and that was something that the jets figured out with zach wilson right and i'll be honest i was very high on him too right so that was a learning experience for me a lot of people were exactly so it's like the dude is create very talented right but you know can he operate in structure can he operate within the confines of the offense, keep things on rhythm, or does he rely on that creation ability to a fault? And I think with Wilson, we've learned that's what it was. He was never, never able to get that rhythm down, never able to see, see the field quickly enough at the NFL level. And we've seen what's been the result of that, right? So we know if, you're, if you have top three capital riding on that, you need to not only look at the talent and creation ability, but also at the risk aversion. And I like to look at it as, uh, you know, the opportunity cost of development, right? You know, you have guys who are very talented, but which one is a little more stable, a little more dependable within the confines of the offense, within the structure, within the pocket. For me, that's definitely Drake, May, and I think we've talked about that, but then also at the same time, the dude is crazy talented, right? Like I feel like, especially in the summer, that was something that got lost a little bit because Caleb Williams is such a special creator. Sometimes that gets lost in his shadow, but Drake may is a very good athlete. And I think for what we've talked about for the functional use of quarterback play, this is a dude who does have the speed to roll out from the pocket, you know, operate on boot actions. This is a guy who is extremely natural Natural throwing off platform I mean it is absurd for him how he's able to adjust his arm angle torque his hips even rolling to his left against his dominant hand it is so yeah, natural a, for him
0: he he had a throw and I can't remember which game it was in uh that I just watched it, it was either Miami UVA or, or Georgia Tech but he skirted pressure and he was pressing the line of scrimmage and I don't know how he saw it but he had a guy in the flat on the left side, and he was like at the right hash. Need a guy in the left side, and he just head up real quick, whipped it out there as he was pressing the line of scrimmage. Like, I don't know how that ball got there the way that it, it just didn't look real. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the not the first time that I really thought like yeah, like this this guy really does have it when it comes to his ability to create yeah, outside of the pocket. But that was like the one where it's like. Oh, he could be really, really freaking good at this.
1: Yep it's 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 uncanny for his size you know to be able to be that fluid with your mechanics and your torquing, but then also the vision you know to understand where are my opportunities where can i go and he has that as well i remember you know all the way back to that south carolina game you know rolling to his right you know kind of shooting his eyes out to the right a little bit to you know fake out the defense and then hit back inside of the tight end who's coming across on the on the crosser right so it's you know just those little instances where and you see that in structure too but that quick diagnosis that quick process ability just the ability in you know on bare bones to understand what you're seeing very quickly is definitely there with him. there's another throw against georgia tech where you know it's a speed release a crosser from the right side nothing nothing major but right away drake may sees that leverage advantage at three-step drop he sees the leverage advantage he's like all right I got what I want and then you see him his eyes are directly forward he's got the single high safety he is staying forward and he drifts a little bit to the right a bit you know to drag that safety across the field and the safety's like should I trigger on the crosser maybe not because he's he's you know kind of holding out to the middle and then right when he gets that leverage advantage boom back to the left back to the crosser and he buys his receiver just enough time to avoid contact from that safety who has to re- react late because of it so it's just those little minute eye and shoulder manipulation glimpses that we see and at the root of that is the processing ability the awareness the leverage iq you know all those things it's so impressive on his tape and you see that time and time again using that control to just displace defenders at will and then capitalize with high velocity javelins i just used that terminology in a tweet but i liked it so i had to say it out loud yeah. but um you know that's what he does right and I, I do think i want to go off of that too because there are some times another thing that he can improve on when he needs to take a little bit of pace off the ball right and throw with more touch uh that's something that he can still get a better balance for sometimes he'll kind of air a little too far over those passes when he's to loop it into the bucket he's and yeah
0: yeah and there's there's some throws that he doesn't take Mm -hmm. because i think he lacks a little bit of that touch like there was a there was a couple that i watched in this last viewing of him where i was like oh you could probably layer that throw but he just doesn't really have that feel for the layering yet um and, and that's something that should just come with time you know you'll you'll learn uh not to be throwing fastballs mm-hmm. every single time and uh i think that he he has that um are, were you talking about with that crosser? are you talking about the one that was like 15 yards 20 yards downfield where he kind of threw it behind the the wide receiver because that safety was coming up on the right side no that this one, one was, was on the back?
1: uh the safety was coming up was trailing behind him was like kind of uh overhang a little bit and so oh, yeah okay. I, I got gotcha. I to go back and, and see what there was, a, was yeah there was a there yeah, was, a there lot was of
0: another that. really good one yeah there was another really good one where he threw the ball a little bit behind the wide receiver who was coming on a, a deeper crosser yeah and uh he threw it behind the receiver because that safety was lurking and you do that to have your guy slow down a little bit and not get yeah, killed yeah exactly by the safety, and that is-
1: situational placement again you know i think yes. uh, who they played this past week was it campbell or uh Bucknow? yeah campbell. campbell yeah and we saw that again you know constantly man like you know, a lot of people want think like, oh, you should just lead the receiver over the middle the field. Like, no, if there's a looming safety right there, like you don't want him to get killed, right? So if you can, yeah. if he can adjust behind him, right, like throw it to the exact window where you're not going to get your receiver hurt and he still has a chance to make the play, right? Because if you throw him into that defender, there's a higher incompletion uh, chance, right? So, you know, Drake May, you already see he's so good at minimizing that with his placement already. So it's just like so many different things that he processes so well, Uh, So you're willing to work with the accuracy a little bit, you know, on those touch throws, the the balance of pace and touch. It's not there as much with him as it's been with other quarterback prospects in the past. But all the tools are there to work with. And, you know, the understanding of leverage is there to work with. You know, so it's just weaponizing that a little bit more, giving him the confidence to do that. And that'll come with practice reps at the NFL level. But, you know, what it boils down to is the guy has the physical talent. And he has all of the building blocks within the pocket to operate an NFL offense extremely efficiently, but then also create when he needs to. And I think that goes back to, you know, kind of the the statement we made at the very beginning, which is, you know, the best quarterback prospects have the necessary talent to elevate their offense and create, but they don't rely on it to a fault. And I think that's the argument between May and and Williams. So just definitively, we were talking about we were talking at the beginning of the podcast. I not I might not be able to go definitively. And I still I still do think it's a one A, one B conversation on the broad scale, right? Like if you are more confident in Caleb Williams' ability within the pocket, you can have his QB one by all means. I don't think it's that separated where, you know, there's a definitive answer, either one or the other. But for me personally, and this is something, you know, I felt it in the summer. I was starting to waver a little bit early on in the season when there were more of those. Uh, bonehead moves, you know, bozo moments. You know, week mm-hmm. week one and two, and Caleb Williams had a few good weeks, but you know, I've kind of leveled back out to where I was before, which is uh, Drake May is QB one for me. Caleb Williams is QB two. Are you in the same boat?
0: Yes, I am. Um, and the only thing for me that's keeping it a one A and one B conversation and not a one and two conversation. Yep is Caleb williams rushing ability because i think when you are able to add a gap with your running with your your quarterback that completely changes the way that your offense is able to attack teams uh it's going to get you in a lot more one high situations at the nfl level because you're they're going to want to bring a safety down to make sure that they're covering every single gap and his actual rushing ability his ability to kind of um not take Massive hits the way that a lot of these running quarterbacks do because he's a he's not a running quarterback But he has that ability and I think the biggest thing that I watch at like, the the thing that excites me the most About Caleb Williams. It's not the creation ability, which is next level mm. stuff I'm I'm kind of a, a nerd because back in the day I was an option quarterback mm. and I love quarterbacks who are really really good ball handlers And Caleb Williams, his mesh on option is unbelievably good. He is somebody who can ride out an entire mesh and so smoothly pitch a ball back to a a, a wide receiver who is looping around in in motion for an end around. I mean, the the way that he handles the ball, the way that he looks and, and, and deals with defenses when it comes to showing the ball, running play action, I think that that's something that at the next level playing from under center, he's going to be able to absolutely make guys look foolish. And that play action is going to be a huge part of that. And his ability as a runner is going to be a huge part of his success early on as he gets more consistent with his ability to hit throws in the quit game. I think the RPO game is going to be huge for him as well. The problem is, I look at the other side of the coin, and we have a six foot four, 230 pound <laughs> quarterback who can run as well. Now, I don't think he's as natural of a runner, but yeah. I-, I think that you would be foolish not to take advantage of his athleticism more than North Carolina does. He runs, but he doesn't run all that much, not from design plays, at least. Most of his runs are on scrambles where he has a clear hole and he takes off. I think that Caleb Williams is so natural at it. And he's so good at not taking big hits a lot like Kyler Murray in that respect to where I think that he's still, I think, going to be an immediate guy who improves your football team. Mm -hmm. Even as he grows as a processor and a passer at the next level, I still think that he's going to be good right away. Mm -hmm. And I think that Drake May is going to be good right away. And so the ceiling question is difficult. Because I think both of these dudes have super high-end ceilings. And for me, again, at the end of the day, who do I trust more? Right now, I trust Drake Maymore just because I see him in an environment that mimics an NFL-level offense. And I don't see that as much. And you never have seen it with a Lincoln Riley quarterback. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it goes back to, as well, you know which one do I trust more you know to hit that three step drop and just you know hit the hit the slant route or the short curl you know in a timely manner sure. or, or hit your check down when you're getting pressured right uh, i trust Drake May more and then he still has the physical talent to have that super high ceiling so then the decision becomes a little bit easier right it's like we're yeah. not sacrificing too much on the top end because he still has an elite arm he still has very good size adjusted athleticism the off platform ability is so smooth and natural and at the end of the day, he's a good pocket operator. He is a very anticipatory thrower. Uh, he's manipulative, and he can you know control the field at his will and open up windows with his eyes and his shoulders. And that's something that you know I saw from Stroud a lot. I remember there was a throw that really caught my eye. I can't remember what game it was, uh, it was, but it was all the way back in you know 2021. You know, even heading into the 2022 season, where you know he had it was an intermediate throw. And his shoulders were, you know, out to the right hash, right? So he's he's trying to bait that that CB and keep them on the hash, but his front foot is already planted toward the middle of the field. So he he's already, you know, triggering, triggering and rotating uh, for that for that post route behind the blind spot, right? So he's got that in his mind. But. know at the same time he's actively using his mechanics to fool the defensive back displace them and and you know open up the field for himself and take advantage and quarterbacks who have that not just the awareness to know that you're where your eyes are and where your shoulders are that matters but also the control and the discipline to use that and weaponize it on every down it's something that doesn't always get discussed and drake may has shown that to a very high degree so far so uh for me that's a very big separate separating factor but I love that you brought up the hand, the ball handling for Caleb Williams as well because especially with modern offenses, you know Miami's Tua Tagovailoa that gets yeah. discussed a lot. Like that's something that can really add multiplicity to your offense as well. And I do agree, you know Drake May another thing that I, I do think the ball handling isn't quite as natural for him, and you know a little bit taller, so the ball carriage, the ease of motion isn't going to be there. But with Caleb Williams. You know, it's that ball handling coupled with his ability to be a threat as a runner, right? You know, defenses have to respect that. And that just puts you in such a bind as a defense when you don't know what to expect. And he's able to exploit that. So, you know, there's elements of separation for both guys again. And it's just, you know, that's the only thing keeping it from being one, two, as opposed to one, a one B. But I have a feeling that's how it's going to be. All the way to the end, and I'm just super excited to see who who goes number one, where they go, uh, because I think, as you mentioned, I think they both have the tools to withstand adversity at the NFL level and be successful at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, it's one of those situations where I think we're going to look at it and we're going to see where these two guys were drafted, and we're going to be able to tell right away who's going to have the better couple years, because I think more than anything else, situation or the situation that they find themselves in at the NFL level is going to be even more important than their own personal talent. Yep. I mean, I don't think that the situation in Carolina is completely terrible, but it's definitely not as good as the situation is in Indianapolis or as good as it is in Houston. And it's mostly because they decided to draft or uh, to trade away their best wide receiver and now Adam Thielen is their best wide receiver. And Adam Thielen is having a decent year, but he's not the same guy he was five years ago when he was the uh, one of, if not the best number two guys in the NFL playing with first Stephon Diggs and then Justin Jefferson. And I, I want to kind of end this real quick with some of the things that we don't care about when it comes to Caleb Williams specifically. Um, I don't necessarily want to speak for you here. I'm going to speak for myself. Um i don't care that he paints his nails and i don't care that he cried on the sideline with his mother not at all i i just don't care and if you care about it it says more about you than it does about caleb williams
1: yeah i i, I put a tweet out there you know kind of saying the same thing like and i will say a lot of people were bringing it up because apparently last year remember when max Doggan was crying at the you know the interview thing and i guess caleb williams quote tweeted it and said lol or something he deleted the tweet and then clarified it after whatever it was a year ago these are young guys i'm not gonna on his case forever for that right and at the end of the day you know he cares a lot he's a very tough competitor we saw that in that washington game that washington game like he was doing everything he could to keep them
0: can you imagine playing that football game the way that you did and just not having a chance to win it because you're like it's got to be unbelievably frustrating But
1: for gen- for general managers too, like they like, it's not even a conversation as to whether it's an issue that he's crying. I mean, no, he, yeah. he's emotionally invested in the sport and winning, and that's what you—that's exactly what you want from a franchise quarterback. But now, a
0: decade ago, yeah, a decade ago, Tim Tebow was a hero mm-hmm. for his crying speech. So I, I don't, I don't understand what the difference mm-hmm. is. Yeah, but uh.
1: And it's like, you're not going to see that after every loss, right? It, it manifests itself in different ways every time, But you know, people are complex and, you know, you want them to be invested in the job at hand. And especially if he's going to be a professional yeah. NFL quarterback, like there's, there's nothing to, there's nothing wrong with that at all. So I I was surprised it was even a topic of conversation when it happened, honestly. So I, I came back the next morning. I was like, I guess I'll tweet about it because I guess people care about it. They, they shouldn't, you know, yeah. if anything, it should be a positive to be looked at, but you know, it's never a bad, bad thing to feel emotion just in sports or elsewhere, right? I think to to be the best version of yourself, you need to feel emotion fully. And I think that goes back to, you know, these quarterbacks, these prospects who are trying to become the best version of their self. There's never a negative to be had with that, right? Just make sure you're, you know, feeling it in a healthy way. But you know, the guy just went to to his mom in the stands, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. So
0: yeah, he's not he's not over there berating his 19 year old teammates on the sideline, like. Or or screaming at his defensive coordinator, mm. which he would have been well within his <laughs> right to do at any point of this season. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we both prefer Drake May over Caleb Williams at this point. And uh, I think that's kind of going to be the consensus by the end of the season and guys really get into... Because it's still a slow time. Yeah. It, the NFL draft is still not at the forefront of everything because the NFL season is still very much in the middle of it. And I will say
1: for an NFL evaluator standpoint, I expect it to be split. I think Drake may fits the prototypical mold better. I think he has the tools. I think the tape is a little bit better within structure right now, but we have seen teams fall in love with that elite generational creation capacity we have seen that happen before yeah. and i don't think Kay- I think caleb williams is a solid prospect outside of that too so i don't think it's a mistake like like it was with wilson right i think you know you're well within reason to to fall in love with that and bank on that but right now if you look at the tape diagnostics i think there's a strong argument to make that drake may is the more complete prospect so i expect it to yeah. be split we'll see what happens but bottom line we don't know who's going to go first it's going to be exciting to watch
0: It will be exciting to watch. And guys, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the PFN Scouting Podcast. I hope that you guys give it five stars on whatever podcast uh, platform you guys use. And if you guys are watching this on YouTube, looking at my Goku shirt, um, make sure that you guys leave us some nice comments uh, underneath the video. And always, always remember, guys, that I love you. Goodbye.